0: Basketball is back. Welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. We got a real loaded episode ahead of us. We have not one, but two special guests with us. I'm Eugene Repay. he's Chris Dantial, and he is Brendan Riley. Brendan, how you doing?
1: Doing good, guys. Thanks for having me back. Um, I uh, I heard you, you teased this episode last time with you that you have a, a special guest. And I was like, "Oh wow, they're going to get Coach Wright, or they going to get one of the new freshmen." And then I was like, "Oh no, it's it's me. This is not special at all."
0: <laughs> it, well, it's you and uh, Darrell Reynolds.
1: This is a special thing that now I'm going to have to listen. This is going to be good. <laughs> what can we just cut cut to him? Did we already? I uh, I'll I'll
0: stop. Is he here? Is he, here? <laughs> he will be later. He will be he will later. Be. Later on in the show. All
1: right, I promise. I'll go real
0: quick then. So Tuesday was the night we were all waiting for Villanova basketball. Finally back at the pavilion on campus. No more permanent residency at the Wells Fargo Center. We finally got to see a packed house. We also got to see the new look arena. Brendan, I know you were walking around a little bit. You've been there before for the blue and white scrimmage. How does it look when it's finally game day? What is the atmosphere like? What do the concessions look like? How was that whole experience?
1: It was immaculate. It truly was Awesome! They have done everything you would want them to do outside of adding a couple more seats. It's really impressive what they have there now. Uh, I, I would say, really, the there if there was just one thing I wish they could have found some way to keep, it would have been the team's entrance through the student section. But I have to say, the positives outweigh the negatives. The lighting, the special effects. All of it is fantastic, but I think the biggest improvement from an overall basketball experience is how they've done the student section now. And I understand it might not have been easy to see from the television angles, but the way it's set up is the student sections are now across each of the baselines. On the south side, it goes from one corner across the entire baseline, and then the other corner is the band. So that's where the, the student section used to be, um, and then on the other side they've put these. I have no better word for it than uh, pens, where they basically just cage students uh, right behind the basket, and it looks like it would be the most fun place to watch the game from. Uh, I don't know who it is that's going to come up with the creative name, whether it be uh, uh, you know the cat cages. Or the, uh, I I think our own Mike K said his vote was for the litter box, but there's got to be some good names for these places that they're housing the students. But the best part about the new student section is that these corner spots that are on each of the four corners are actually part of the sideline sections that are all the lower bowl of the. Season ticket holders. And they are literally now across the aisle from these standing room only student sections. And these students are going nuts, having a great time. And that energy, not only is it making its way onto the court and energizing the team, but it is energizing the entire stadium. It got everyone going. So Add in the lights, the special effects, and all of that to get people pumped up. It really was the student section that was making a huge
2: difference in the energy in the crowd. completely agree with that. It just from watching this game on TV, it, it certainly sounded louder. It certainly sounded more vibrant. And it definitely it looked better, too. I, it's funny you mentioned the, the lighting, actually. It looked like it was just easier to view the game just in general. And it it makes me excited now for even more excited for like the rest of the year to know that hopefully the the noise will impact the game a little bit more than it it has in the past. And as you know, we have such a great home court advantage there.
1: I would say that it wasn't just the fans that were enjoying the new space. It, Absolutely, the team is included in that. Jay specifically is just adores this new stadium, not just for the aspects of what it can bring to the game. If you haven't had a chance to go there yet, you need to take some time, even if it's not for a game day experience, because the amount of history... And the, the kind of things that Jay Wright preaches in his program about playing for those who came before us, the place is now basically a shrine to the Villanova program. And they did an amazing job of not only imparting, you know, having all of the stuff that gets you amped about what the team has done recently in this amazing run, but including the women's program, uh, everything that came before in the days of, uh, the Massimino teams and the Craft teams, uh, uh, everything that has made Villanova what it is today is a part of that main concourse when you walk into the stadium, and it's truly something to behold.
0: Oh, yeah. I loved the pictures. I've loved the videos that I've seen so far. At first, I will be honest, I was a little apprehensive because I think a lot of us focused on the, oh, why aren't there more seats? Or why can we expand this? Or why don't we just knock the whole thing down and build up a new one? But just from what I've seen on TV, from watching the game, it looked a lot better overall. And it was also nice to baptize it with a big win over Morgan State to start off the year. 177 hitting the century mark. Jermaine Samuels with that three at the end. And just looking at the box score, I mean, great games from Eric Pascal, 26 points, seven rebounds. Phil Booth also chipped in a nice amount, 17 points, four assists. Sadiq Bay coming in, make, putting his freshman first impression, 16 points, four boards. Brendan, what were your thoughts on this game? There is definitely a lot to unpack here, but I guess we can start with what was your first impression of this team?
1: Well, overall... I I would say a couple things. Um, Obviously, this is a team that is going to get better as the year goes on. They have a couple stabilizing forces, such as Eric Paschal, Phil Booth, um, Colin Gillespie. Although he only had six points, he had five rebounds and six assists. He is going to be a cornerstone in this team, both offensively and defensively. And I know there's people that don't love that, but it's it's what we have and I think he's deserving of it and I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong this year but again overall there were some turnover issues early on that's going to clean up clean up as people you know get over the fact that it's a new season and get over the fact that it's a new stadium and get used to playing with each other again and playing opponents so there's stuff that I wouldn't overreact too much to uh Another thing that falls into that uh, was the lineups, uh, the starting lineup, the fact that uh, a lot of people were expecting to see John Quinterly and um, Demir cosby Roundtree in the starting lineup. And instead we got Jermaine Samuels and Dylan Painter. While the specific starters weren't addressed by Jay after the game, he did come out and when asked if he had a plan for the rotation or what he wanted to do with it going forward, He was pretty forthright. He just came out and said, I don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm going to do. In fact, tonight wasn't so much about trying different things out and seeing how people play together. It was just about keeping fresh legs out there because they're still getting in condition. They're still trying to see what works. And he specifically said, we have a bigger team this year. And Morgan State was a small, quick team. And so one of the challenges they had tonight was just staying in front of them. And so to combat that, Jay was just trying to run out as many fresh legs as he could. So in terms of overall players that started or or didn't start or how many minutes people got, in the large picture, I wouldn't worry too much about that. In the smaller picture, though, there were a few players that Jay did single out with specific intention And one of those players is Sadiq Bey. The coaching staff said that they really think of all the guys that are new to the system this year, he is the one that is the most bought in on the defensive side of the ball and that he is the one that is playing the most aggressive, the most uh, attacking sort of defense, the kind of defense that they want to see guys play right now. He's strong on the boards. He's strong defending the paint. He can pretty much play the two through the five. And we even saw him switching out on the point guard every so often. So he's got the flexibility that Jay likes on defense, and he's got the aggression that he likes on defense. And as we saw on offense, he can attack the boards and shoot the three. So there's not much you don't like when it comes to Villanova's system when it and, and Sadiq Bay. So I'd expect him to continue to get a good chunk of minutes like we saw he was the only newcomer to
2: break the 20 minute mark what do you think of the rest of the freshman class there in their debut
1: swider was another guy that jay called out specifically saying you could see the flashes where he's also starting to buy in defensively where he was getting at it after on the boards the one thing i wouldn't be concerned at all with with swider is his three-point shooting he was i'm looking it up a 1-6 from the floor and oh, oh for 4 from, from deep. I wouldn't be concerned about that at all because what I saw from Swider when he was on the offensive side was that he was always making the right decision. When he had an open shot, he was taking it. When he had the opportunity to pass it up for a better shot, he was passing it up for a better shot. I think he's bought in, and I think this is just a scenario where it was his first college game, He might have been a a little amped up, got a little extra juice in those shots. They're going to start falling. Shooters shoot. They don't just forget how to shoot. Knock on wood, remembering a Reggie Redding. But I really don't have any concerns about Swider offensively. And There was enough promising on the defensive end, and Jay Wright speaking him up. I would assume that goes along with what he sees in practice that he's going to move along fine. Slater, we know from the preseason, is a little bit behind the rest of the class because he had to deal with, not, not an injury, but a medical issue that they didn't really disclose but kept him out of practice for a week. He's 100% healthy now, ready to play, ready to contribute, but he's seen the court a week less than anyone else on the team, so I wouldn't be shocked if he's still a little bit behind. That said... Like Bay, he shows the right kind of aggressiveness on the court. He is long. He can shoot. He's going to get minutes on this team as he continues to learn the system and buy in to Jay Wright's program. Quinterly didn't look good. There was a number of times when he made miscalculations on defense, uh, which I think could be his biggest weakness right now, is on the defensive side of the ball, but... That said, you saw the flashes of what he can do offensively. When he gets it going, when he makes the right move, it, it it's stuff that other people simply can't do. Um, so, again, this is a learning process. It, it always is with rookies. There's a reason why when Duke and Kentucky bring in these teams uh, that are mostly freshmen, they are seemingly a completely different team by March than they are In November. And that's because it simply takes time. So we shouldn't have high expectations for them in November. What we want to see is steady improvement over time, knowing that it's not going to happen overnight. But if they can keep making steps forward, by the time we hit January and Big East play, we should still easily be the favorites that we were predicted to be at the beginning of the season.
0: Oh, I I totally agree. Once this team starts gelling, probably around conference play, it'll be autopilot from there.
2: All right, so we've pretty much hit on every group of Villanova players, freshmen, sophomores, but we haven't talked about the two fifth-year seniors yet, Eric Pascal and Phil Booth. Obviously, Pascal had 26 points, had a fantastic game, I thought, continuing from his strong NCAA tournament campaign and Phil Booth had a nice return to the season as well. So what do you think of their two games, and how do you feel about them being the alpha dogs going forward? Pascal, I, I don't know if you can ask someone to play better than he played tonight.
1: I mean, he was blocking shots, he was getting rebounds, he was making assists. He, he did everything. He filled the box score up, and he did it all with only getting one foul. Uh, and that it, to me is the biggest key for him this year. If he can do everything and not be in foul trouble, big East player of the year is absolutely a conversation that we need to have with him. And there was a point in this game where he was a perfect five for five from the floor and five of five from the free throw line. I mean, I think he ended up going 11 for 12 in free throws. And that's something Villanova has sorely lacked from a forward. I mean, we had it last year with Brunson when he needed to be the guard at the end of the game, be the go-to guy in the line. Yeah, we could rely on him. But it's been since, I want to say Javon Pinkston, that we've been able to have a bruiser down low that can make contact, finish through it, and then be almost flawless from the free throw line. If we can get all of that all of it together in Pascal because his three-point shooting is amazing as well. Man, he is just so good. (laughs) So good. Phil Booth had a very good game. If there's anything to be disappointed about in Phil Booth's game, it's that I would have liked to see him be a little more aggressive with the ball. That has been one of the keys that Jay Wright has talked about so far this preseason is that they're working with him to be more aggressive, to have that mentality of he's the killer, he's the finisher, he's the one that has to do it, and he's still playing a little more of the facilitator role. Now, that might be because there is no true facilitator on this team, and he feels like someone has to take over that part. But I think the team is best served when he has that I'm-going-to-attack attitude. If he can be that for us again this year... Not that he didn't show flashes. I mean, the guy had what 17 points tonight, four assists. So he's right there. He was a little shaky from three point range, but there's plenty of others that were hitting on them. And that actually transitions me nicely to the third senior and the only other guy we haven't talked about in Joe Cramo, who I thought had a very good start to his Villanova career. Three of five from three, 10 points on the night. He did have four personal fouls, which was something that I I didn't love to see. If I'm remembering correctly, a lot of them were blocking fouls under the basket when he was trying to draw um, charges. So either that's a skill he needs to further uh, work on, or it's something that he needs to keep out of his game because while Villanova is deep, We're predicated on three-point shooting, and losing a sharpshooter with experience like him isn't something that we can probably do and get away with in every game. So I'd rather see him stay a little bit more outside of foul trouble, but overall he had a really good night, especially compared to what we had seen out of him at the blue-white scrimmage. Um, The only other thing I'll say about him, and this is a little more mechanical, but uh, he has a very low release point on his uh, three-point shots, and it's not the quickest in, in getting them off. Uh, I, I Against the Morgan State, you can get away with that. Against the Big East, it's going to be a little more difficult. So I, I'm sure the team is working with him on his shot, uh, but there's only so much you can do with a guy when you have him for only one year and he already has a shooting stroke ingrained. All
0: right, Brendan, I would like to play a game with you, something or nothing. Now, Villanova fans, very passionate for the basketball team. A lot of passion, a lot of excitement. But there's also, we also tend to overreact, panic a little bit, maybe a little (laughs) prematurely. Especially with just one game into the season, it's not like we have a true sample size to work with. So I'm going to toss a few takes that I have seen, whether online, in the comment section, or just from general conversation. And you can tell us if it's something or if it's nothing and we shouldn't be overreacting to it. Villanova's defense, something or nothing.
1: Something. That's going to be the biggest uh, pressure point for the team this year and something they'll have to work on continuously. Morgan State put up 77 on them in the game, 43 in the first half. Uh, I know it's a running gun and there was lots of possessions in this game, but the defense is going to
0: need work. Turnovers, something or nothing.
1: I'm going to lean nothing. On this one, Um, they had 10 in the first half, which was infuriating and sloppy as hell. But there was a lot of juice, a lot of nerves. It's the first game of the season, and in the second half, they only had four. So, for now, I'm going to say turnovers isn't something to worry about.
0: Javon Quinterly, preseason freshman of the year, had a lukewarm first impression. Something or nothing?
1: Some of nothing? Um, I I think he's still going to needs some work. I think he uh, has a lot of room to grow in his game. The talents are there, um, but he needs to refine them a bit more. Um, I actually, uh, in our preseason uh, scenario, had Sadiq Bay as my rookie of the year for this team, so I'm looking pretty good right now. <laughs> but uh, I do think it's it's one of those things where it's something right now but I wouldn't be surprised if by Biggie's play, Quinnerly is the starting point guard for Villanova.
0: Last one. Morgan State, Quinnipiac, that's one thing. Forget Kansas. I am terrified for Michigan. Something or nothing.
1: I hope this isn't me being a homer, but I'm going to say nothing. Because here's what you got to remember. Villanova didn't look its best, and against a team that, granted, is probably not the best competition. But Villanova is not the only team that's taking a step back this year. This team is being compared to last year's team, which is so unbelievably unfair, but it's all we have to compare it to. So that's where we go in our minds. And we just seem to forget that everyone in college basketball lost players especially Michigan. This is a team that lost to teams in Spain. This is a team that while ranked 19th in the country is also having its fan base freak out about having to play Villanova three games into the season. I still think this is going to be a Villanova victory. I think it's not going to be a blowout, but i don't think it's going to be close. Uh, I really like our team. And you're probably not going to see Wright messing with the rotation in that game as much as he did.
0: Brendan, I sure hope you quelled a lot of the fears and paranoia that seems to be going on after this first game. I agree with you on a lot of your points there. Hopefully, everyone feels a little more calm heading into Saturday's game against Quinnipiac. Brendan, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thanks, guys. And hey, bring on Daryl Reynolds.
0: Before we get to Dale Reynolds, though, We got to shout it out to the ladies because they also had their season opener. They played against the Hartford Hawks last night at the Pavilion, first home game, and first time being back after spending all of last season at the Jake Nevin Fieldhouse. They're probably happy to be back at the revamped all-new arena, and it was a nice way for them to start out the season, too. They also walked away with a win. They beat Hartford 59-41. Mergeneka led the way for the Cats with 18 points. She shot 7 of 10 on the floor. She also had 6 rebounds. Jana Tucker had 12 points. Kelly Jaycott added 10 points and 3 rebounds. For Hartford, Sierra DaCosta led the Hawks with 16 points off of 7-11 shooting. Chris, first game of the season, ladies are back at the pavilion or at the fin, whatever you want to call it, whatever helps you. What were your first impressions of the Lady Cats?
2: pretty decent start to the season. This completes the home and home series between them and Hartford. Villanova won the first game last year at Hartford. This time around, it's at Villanova. And obviously, as we just mentioned, they won. Yeah. Like you said, pretty good game from Gadeka. Le- lead scorer were 18 points. Tucker with 12. You know, not the most efficient night from the field. Tucker 4-13. Adriana Hahn was 3-13 from the field. But, you know, Gadeka's stat line was able to propel Villanova just enough to beat the Hawks by 18. And, Last year, we may mention mentioned, actually the past couple of years, we've mentioned that Villanova, the Lady Cats play very well at home. And it seems like that trend is going to continue into this year with the win here.
0: Yeah, definitely a great way to start out the year. And last year, they killed it at home. A lot of their big wins came at Jake Nevin House. most notably that Duke win, which put them back on the map. We remember that. That was just a real fun game. And then from there, they just start out the season with just a hot start, winning their first 10 games in a row that was excellent hopefully Villanova can come up with something similar to start out the season but yeah as he said it wasn't exactly the greatest shooting performance especially to start out the the game in the first half Villanova shot just 8 of 31 on the floor for 25.8 percent not exactly the greatest and 2 of 17 from deep and we know this is a team that also loves to shoot them up sleep in the streets very offensive minded very offensive oriented but I think a part of this also is just kind of You know, it's the first game we saw with the men's. They're still testing things out. They're still trying to get those jitters out. They got two new starters this season after Megan Quinn and Alex Loon graduated. They now have Bridget Herlahy and Mary Gadeka. Mary Gadeka was excellent last year as a biggie six woman of the year. She killed it. She was so efficient on the floor. And it seems like she's carried a lot of that going into this season.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it, like you said, if you lose two stars, you've got to really hope everybody else steps up and even improves upon last year's performance. Kadeka, like you said, off to a good start there. And I gotta say, defensively though, they played pretty well. They only allowed uh, 25% of Hartford shots uh, to go in. Picking up where they left off last year on the defensive side, hoping for a more efficient offensive game. But hey, the defense was good enough to hold them to 41. The offense was good enough to get it to 59 and that's all that matters they ended up winning and uh hopefully they can build upon that and get to the off to a fast start like they did last year
0: yeah and what's crazy too is just from i remember talking to them preseason at biggest media day and we talked about it on the show too one of the things that they were most concerned about was their defense but that was actually one of their strong points last night they absolutely shut down Hartford. they didn't really get into a rhythm outside of sierra da costa who scored all 11 of their points in the first quarter. But outside of that, as a team, they shot 16 to 65. So no matter how badly Villanova was shooting to start the game, they were able to shut down their opponents. And most importantly, we saw Nova pick it up in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. Lights out. It seemed like you know, they're still experimenting, still getting the season opening jitters out of them. But in the fourth quarter, and the second half as a whole, honestly, but in the fourth quarter, they just were so great. They shot 8 for 11 on the floor just dominated, seemed to finally get into a groove, started shooting less threes, and maybe that also helped out their game.
2: Yeah, it definitely did. And this was a trend last year, too. They always seem to start off a little little weak. Shots weren't falling, but then, you know, everything seems to correct itself. They make the unnecessary adjustments at halftime, and then they come out swinging in the second half. So, if, like I said, if they kind of keep that trend going, and, and but if maybe this time around this season they kind of put a complete game together, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with in the Big East.
0: Yeah, this is a promising team that has a lot of its core back from that NCAA tournament run last year. This team can definitely make some noise and possibly turn some heads in the Big East. We know that it's been a DePaul Marquette league for the last couple of years, but Villanova can possibly enter that conversation or crash the party at least. Gadeka seemed great right off the bat. Just wasn't a great shooting day for Han, but we know when she's hot, she can sling it. She can shoot it from deep. And Jana Tucker is great defensively, just as she is offensively. So I'm not too concerned. You know, it's just the first game, and it seemed like this is one of those games where even though the, the shots weren't falling, they were just going hard everywhere else, and it really showed. And then in the second quarter, when the shots finally did fall, they didn't even look back at all.
2: Yeah, for sure. And th- yeah, this this game kind of had the similar vibe to the men's game. You know, they won, and you're happy with the margin of victory, but it could have been just a little bit better. But you understand that it is the first game of the season working out the kinks, and as long as you escape with the W, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. It's the first game of the season.
0: Nothing to really overreact about. Honestly, I was just impressed with the way, you know, it's very easy to lose your head, especially on an offensive-minded team like the Lady Cats. Very easy to just get frustrated when the shots aren't falling, but it didn't stop them from going hard everywhere else. And it really showed just in how they executed against Hartford. But now they're gonna turn their attention. They're going to have a pretty long break, so we're not going to get too much in depth with it, but they're going to take days off and they will come back in action on November 16th. It's a Friday night game against Lehigh university. This is a team that Nova has played a lot, actually over the last few years in recent years. And it's one that Villanova has pretty much taken care of business with. I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm expecting more of the same.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I was going to say Lehigh, seem like a familiar opponent or the lady cats there it seems like they play them every year and they seem to win by a 15 plus every year i see a similar outcome as of right now even though the games at lehigh i still think going over comes out victorious in that one
0: and as for the men's side they're gearing up for their game this weekend saturday night 8 p.m tip off against Quinnipiac and we we talked about it in our non-conference show very much in depth so we're not going to go too crazy with it since that was pretty recent but as we know, this is going to be the Baker Bowl. Baker Dunlevy's back in the house. It's a little homecoming for him. And it's going to be cool to see him back. But uh, at th- at the same time, it's going to be weird not seeing him on our bench.
2: Yeah, it is going to be a little weird seeing uh, Baker on the opposing bench. But uh, is-, is it Daryl time now? I feel like it should be Daryl time.
0: Oh, oh, oh everyone's antsy. Everyone's antsy. I'm antsy. Uh, yeah, you know what, Leah? Let's call him up. Let's get Daryl Reynolds on the phone. And let's chat with him on State of the Nova Nation. We are here now with Daryl Reynolds. The man has won a national title his junior year, was part of the winningest class in Wildcat history, played professionally in Europe, and now things have come full circle. Part of the men's basketball team as a member of the staff, looking fresh in the suit on the sideline. And he's also got two episodes of his brand new show. Stay tuned with D-Ray out now on YouTube. Daryl, how are you doing, man? How's life?
3: It's great, man. It's great. It's, it's a little different these days, but it's great, man. First of all, uh, thank y'all for having me on this show. Seriously, man. Thank you, you know, for, for looking out with this. I this is this is amazing what y'all are doing with this. I'm hearing nothing but good things about this podcast. But uh but life is crazy right now. Life is crazy in a good way, but but crazy nonetheless.
0: Yeah, no, no problem. We are actually very happy to have you on. I'll be honest, yeah. man. The, the moment I first interviewed you back in Louisville after the Sweet 16 game, mm-hmm. when you guys beat Miami, and you were just killing it on the mic, I, I remember <laughs> sitting there holding the mic thinking, whenever this guy graduates from college, he needs to get a radio deal. He needs a show. He needs something in front of the camera.
3: <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you.
0: What inspired you to start the show, and what's the story behind it?
3: Uh... Quite honestly, uh, my my teacher and mentor, Keith Jones, was a huge inspiration. Uh, while I was over, you know, I played this past year in Poland. Um, while I was over there, you know, I'm following everything throughout the NCAA tournament, and I was just like, man, you know, I was wondering why um, certain people who, you know, were in the media who graduated from Villanova weren't, uh, you know, just interviewing the guys and asking certain questions that they would know to ask, but a bit more in-depth questions then, you know, then then people outside of the program or outside of the university, you know, would, uh, wouldn't uh would know to ask. And, you know, after looking around and, and, and trying to figure out why people weren't doing it, I was just like, I mean, I have a communications degree. Let's do it. So I, I get back. I go to Hezekiah Lewis, uh, you know, another professor of mine. I spill, I spill this whole vision with him and tell him my whole idea that I had going. And he was all for it, he was all for it, he helped out, he put together a crew of pretty much exclusively students and we just, we went into, uh, to Gary Hall on West Campus, the Communications Department School, and we just shot it. And you know, and then 25 episodes later, we have Stay Tuned with D-Ray.
2: So Daryl, your first two episodes that you, you premiered, you had your mentor Keith Jones on, you also had Chris Jenkins. Who else is gonna be on the show?
3: Uh, So like I said, we we have 25 interviews in total. We have uh, Father Rob Hagan, uh, former uh, Gronova assistant coach, Ashley Howard. He's now the, the head coach at LaSalle. We have Dante DiVincenzo, Daniel Chefu, Ryan Arstiacono. Um, we have Kevin Rafferty from the 2016 team. We have Ar and Nick Depala, who were managers and then GAs. We have uh, the Class of 21. They all came up together. The Class of 22 all came up together. Uh, Joe Cremo and Shadiq Bey. So we have like a, we have this entire team, Phil Booth, Eric Pascal. We have this entire team. And then, like I said, we have a few guys from the 2016 team. And then we have guys dating as far back as Howard Brown, um, who was, you know, here, here uh, in the early, uh, late 2000s, sorry, late 90s, early 2000s. And he's still involved with the program in so many ways. So we have a, a slew of people that we just, We just wanted to talk, you know, not only Villanova basketball with, but just everything else going on with their lives. And that's where the title came from. Stay tuned. It's the idea that there's always another story to tell. There's always another, you know, uh, just perspective, you know, of a story that you might, you know, know a little bit of. But, you know, what we're trying to do with the show is just get a more in-depth look.
0: It seems like the whole Villanova basketball program seems like one big family. So I'm sure you've known a lot of these guys on your show for years and a long time. Yeah. Have you gotten have you found out anything new about the people you've interviewed? Has anything just shocked you or is this all stuff you've known before?
3: Not all of it. I mean, not all of it. You know, you, you get up there and we, we we got to talking. And I think the, the beauty of it was having a pre-existing relationship with these people. Uh, for example, you know, we brought up the, the strength coach, John Shackleton. And, you know, he was talking about his family, which to me, I had realized as we're on the show, we're on air we're talking I was like I never knew these things about Stanley I never knew him yeah I never knew this side of him you know which was it was interesting you know just to to, to get up there and and, and then you, you get into a zone where you realize that you're pretty much just having a conversation with somebody you know I think that's the beauty of these podcasts I think that's the beauty of you know social media nowadays just just the way that it works nowadays it's not as scripted it was just it was just a conversation obviously was being recorded But it it got to a point where we got in a rhythm, you know, and we were just having conversations. And almost every guest has said something in one way or another that, you know, surprised me, you know, which was it was great. You know, it it made it made for for great interviews and and them just kind of getting up there and just being themselves. You know, it it was it was it was amazing.
0: You've done the basketball playing. Now you're coaching and you're also a producer. I, I have to ask what what is the hardest adjustment you've ever had to make between? a high school player adapting to a college game or your first year on the coaching staff, or how about just being in front of the camera on the mic? How, what has been the hardest adjustment for you?
3: Man, the hardest adjustment I found out was yesterday when we came out for that damn game. And, you know, everybody is, the place is rocking, you know, the, the new pavilion, the center pavilion was going crazy. And, you know, we, I, I sit down on the bench and I realize I'm in a suit and I was like, wow. Like, that things have changed and the fact that I, somebody i think i was talking to uh sadiq Bey's mom and she's like it's crazy it seems like you've been gone forever and i was like i was only gone for a year so a lot of those memories of you know being in the pavilion and you know just kind of being on that floor and walking out during once things like that those are still very fresh memories so that to, to be a year later pretty much you know in a suit uh was it was uh it was different man it was different but it was it was a great experience and i think At this point, my life is just—I'm just racking up on, you know, experiences. I'm—I'm just like I said—you said the coaching thing, the producing thing. It's just—I'm just doing all of this stuff, trying to figure it out and having a blast with it. You know, I'm not going to—it's hard work, but it's fun at the same
0: time. Yeah, you see the new pavilion. Do you ever think like, oh man, I would have loved to hoop here?
3: Oh my god! (laughs) A little jealous out there. That was ain't no little about it. Oh my god! (laughs) I mean, who's – Who's Mania, it really hit me. Like, it really hit me. When I got back home, I kind of saw it. You know, I saw it being developed. And then that night of Who's Mania, I was like, wow. Like, wow. You know, I, I think I, more than anybody, I'm jealous of somebody like Phil Booth, who, you know, Phil and Eric, you know, obviously were teammates of mine, but they, they seen it come full circle. So for them playing in the old pavilion in this past year, playing in Jake Nevin and playing in Wells Fargo, and then for it to come full circle for them, Playing in this new pavilion, I—it's I, no little about. it. I am extremely jealous, but you know, I'm happy for my guys at the same time. I just—I would love to get out there one day, maybe maybe a lunchtime hoops or something.
2: How did it sound? Just like as a fan, it just—it sounded much louder than the old pavilion. So, what did you think of that?
3: It was just—it was a different type of energy in there. You know, they—they—they they, they moved around some of the seating. You know, it, it's just a—it's a. It's a it, obviously, as a, as a villanovan, you know, we look up at the ceiling, we look at obviously where it's at on campus, and we know this is still the pavilion. but you know, you cannot deny how much has changed, you know, the student section being closer, you know the students kind of being on the baseline. It's just an entire different energy. there was you know I look uh, looked over to my right and you know there's people like on the baseline in front of the students. it's just you have an entirely different feel than the old pavilion. You know, like I said, outside of the ceiling, you really don't know you're in the same place. But it was amazing. You know, it was amazing. It was a buzz in there that was just – I can imagine some of these games here are going to be crazy. You know, like it just absolutely crazy. For example, you know, we got Michigan coming up on Tuesday. I, I got a feeling that energy in that building will, will be unmatched, man. It, it'll, it'll be something like, you know, one of those – final four type games where it's just like, you can't even hear yourself think you can't even hear the coach talking in front of you because it's so loud.
2: Do you happen to have a a favorite game at the pavilion that you just remember that just sticks out the most to you? Just maybe because of how the game went or just because of the crowd, any, any game out there?
3: Favorite game at the pavilion. It probably the last one, man. Probably the last one, you know, uh, you know, it was, we, it, it was our senior night, you know, it was against Creighton and, Mm-hmm. Uh, I was injured that game, so I didn't play. But just it was it was why it didn't hit me until at the end of it. Like this is the last game that will be played in here, you know, for men's basketball staff. This is the last game that we're going to have in here, and then, you know, obviously they're going to do what they do with it. And then now, like I said I, to see it full circle for me is very humble, and It's crazy to to think that, like I said, I played the last game. You know, obviously Chris and Josh are that uh, they're healthy right now, so they're playing. But you know, for me to be here, and I was here in that last game, you know, for the men's team, and I'm here in this first game. It's just, I'm learning in life, man. It's just adding to to the stories, you know. It's just, it's, it's, it's allowing me to stay tuned. I'm sorry to plug that, but
2: you know, <laughs> oh,
0: go for it, man. Go <laughs> oh, you. It's,
3: giving, it's giving me another story to tell, which is crazy, you know. But it's great. It's great.
0: So now you have the coaching chapter. How did that start, and how did you get into it? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Was so, that always something you always wanted to do?
3: Not at all. I'm going to be quite honest with you. Uh, coaching is not something that I ultimately want to do. It's not something I'm exactly close to doing. You know, I wouldn't mind doing it, you know, necessarily, but it's not it's it's not my, my biggest passion. You know, Right now, the film thing is that that has my heart, you know, outside of basketball. And that's what I could see myself being involved with afterwards. But uh, quite honestly, me and coach, you know, we're, we're talking this summer it was after my injury. You know, uh, this summer I came back. I had a very successful year. Was going to do the whole summer league thing again with the Sixers and uh, and playing pickup with some other pro guys. One thing led to another. And, you know, I I tore my ACL, LCL, part of my PCL, ripped off my hamstring, and had some nerve damage. So, needless to say, my ball career has been put on hold for a little bit. And I was talking to coach, you know, about several things. And I don't know if like a light bulb went off in his head or something. Like he just, like he, this look came over him. He was like, Do you want to, you want the director of player development job and I was like yeah yeah like I paused for a second because it kind of caught me off guard I was like yeah absolutely and then you know as I at first you know I, I didn't I was like gosh do I do I have what it takes to do this you know can I can I fill these shoes and then I realized like nah to be around and, and help these mm-hmm. young guys and, and help the older guys as well but especially the younger guys just understand what this culture is about you know what makes this place successful. You know people. People on the outside think it's just wins, but you have to really be inside of this family to understand what truly makes Villanova basketball successful and what makes this family function. And I was like, if I can get that message across, you know, while I'm out, then this this injury happened for a reason. You know, outside of just selfishly my show. You know, it, it's allowing me to to uh, to give back in a way that I, I didn't think I'll be able to so quickly.
0: Was Phil and Eric surprised to see you as part of the staff? <laughs> Day one of practice, you yeah, roll up? What was man. that like?
3: They looked over like, what in the world? Like it was just, <laughs> I mean, yesterday we came out. I came out with that suit. Like they just looked at me like, oh my God. And I've always kind of been the old head, you know, the one that's been looked at as a little more mature and like he's all, you he know, he's a tea drinker. He's always a little older than everybody else, but it was <laughs> like, to see me in a suit, they they were like, oh my gosh, but obviously I didn't take away from their focus at all. Thank God. And like I said, for the youngest, for the younger guys, especially just getting them to understand it is truly a blessing.
2: You mentioned giving back because you want to make, make the younger guys feel part of the community, part of the team. Was yeah. there anyone when you first came to school that kind of filled that role?
3: Uh yes, yes. And to be quite honest, my career, you know, here was was helped along because of people like that. When I first got here, the this role was uh, filled by Jason Frazier, which was one of the coach's first and biggest recruits. Um, he's now with the Phoenix Suns coaching staff, doing a great job down there. Jay Frey helped me through my freshman year more than you know anybody can explain. The following year was Brooks Sells, which was coach's first captain. So, you know, he kind of helped mold me into a leader and kind of helped me understand what it's like to be a, a captain. And, you know, it kind of it prepped me for that. You know, as a sophomore, I was being kind of prepped for that, you know, earlier. Um, and then the following year with Mike Nardi, which was, you know, a legend. he All of my like legends. But, you know, Mike Nardi was just from from jump. He was great here. He just fit right in. So, you know, to have those guys in that role and kind of, you know, explain to us that was what helped those years be what they were, you know. People don't understand. Like I said, there's always a story to tell behind a story. They might not get as much credit as X, Y, and Z, but those guys were the guys that, you know, as players, as guys who played for Coach Wright, they can help you understand some things better and help you, you know, navigate, you know, your, your way through this whole thing a lot better. And then they just – they they would just – that one more, you know, uh, I don't want to say, you know, God, on, not so – just – Just one more guy to help pick you up around here, you know, who just understood it in a different way. And and that unique perspective, you know, really, it it really made those years what they were.
0: How much does that mentorship mean to a freshman or an underclassman? You know, besides the obvious differences in speed and physicality from high school to the college game, what are some of the other adjustments that freshmen have to make? We have... Four
3: new freshmen this year. Yeah, yeah. Four new freshmen, and Joe Cremo is a grad transfer, so you could say five new guys, before four new freshmen. Um, I think it's just like I said. I think it's just understanding. You know, it, at, at Villanova, we we do things differently. You know, we do things differently, and it's not to to you know it's it's just how things shook out. You know, it's just you you look at the guys who've come through here. You look at you know the the the, the people who have you know, come through this program, you look at Coach Wright's philosophy on basketball and who we look up to as far as basketball goes. And, you know, you realize that we do things a little different, which is it's fine. It's what makes this place what it is. It's the reason we have, you know, two national championships in three uh, in the last three years, a huge part of that. But, you know, outside of that, a huge reason why we've been able to build constantly and constantly, you know, keep succeeding. So to have someone who played for him, you know, help, you know, like I said, help you through, you know, just kind of adjusting to college basketball, but adjusting more importantly to Villanova basketball is I can imagine for a freshman huge because, you know, you you, it's just anything helps It's one of those things where anything helps, you know, it's like, it's like extra credit, you know, it, it can't hurt, it can only help type of thing. It's just if you have one more person, you know, really getting that message across to you, then it just it's it, it can speed along the process so much quicker.
0: That's pretty cool. I had no idea that the alum were so involved. I mean, yeah, once a Wildcat, always a Wildcat, but they're really still hands on. They're really part of the family, just yeah. as if any other day.
3: Yes, yes. Very much so. Very much. Like I said, it's just and, you know, for me, as, as a player, I, I didn't I'm not saying I didn't understand it. But as a player, you know, you don't you don't really grasp, you know, completely why, you know, like you, you, you really it's like you, you think it's just, oh, it's just what people do. And then you get out in the real world and you understand that this is not exactly common. You know, it's not, it's not exactly the most normal thing for, you know, for a program to have guys who not only you have guys who played for Coach Wright X amount of years ago, we have guys who didn't even play for Coach Wright, you know, uh, years ago still coming back and still want to be involved with the program and still want to help out the younger guys, you know, and you know, I have guys helping me with the show, you know, who, I didn't even, I've never had conversations with, you know, outside of basketball events. So it's just, it's amazing to see such a tight-knit community. And I think that speaks to Villanova basketball as much as it does speak to, you know, Villanova as a university. I think that's part of the, you know, this this tight-knit, intimate experience that you get at Villanova. You know, we're not a huge state school. And obviously, you know, that those state schools, they have their fun. But to have a, a, a close family, you know, in the sense of, you know, it's just it's only so many people here. And because of that, we stick together. That is why I came here, you know.
2: Yeah. When you were getting recruited, was that uh pitched pretty heavily? Is that what stuck out uh more than, you know, any of the other schools that were recruiting you at the time?
3: Yeah, man, it was it was huge for me. It was huge for me. You know, me and Coach Wright's first real in-depth. I'm, I'm from the area. So we had talked, you know, times before. Our first real in-depth conversation was in Cafe Nova over. You know, a Cafe Nova cheesesteak. And, you know, we talked about everything but basketball. And for me, I I left that and I was just like, you know, I I told my parents, I was like, this is who I want to play for, you know, because this man sees it full circle. You know, And that's not to knock anybody else. I'm pretty sure there's other colleges that do it. But for me, you know, my last four schools were here, Seton Hall of all places uh south carolina and utah and you know all of them were great schools had great things about them they all did great things you know seton hall gave us the run for our money every year uh utah made some noise in the tournament a few years back and south carolina obviously went to the final four so you know all great programs all did their thing but at the same time like when, I, when i left our conversation you know that i had here in this visit i was just like this is real you know and i i want this i, I want something that is is real you know it's, i don't want I want an experience that isn't just going to be the four years while I'm at Villanova, but it's going to outlast. You know, it's, it's going to be for the next forty years of my life, and I'm I'm blessed to say that's what I got. You know,
0: you definitely made the right choice, Scene Hall. You definitely <laughs> yeah. made the right choice.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: I don't regret it at all. So now you're a part of the coaching staff. Uh-huh. What exactly is your role on the team, and how are you picking it up?
3: So I'm director of player development, you know, which is a, a transitional role for guys who want to get into coaching. You know, like I said, for the most part, all, everybody who's been in this role is, is coaching in one way or another. Sorry, the other guy I forgot to mention was Curtis Sumter, who was with the 76ers. So, you know, he was the first guy to do the role. So I, I completely forgot to mention, Curtis, I'm sorry. But uh, like I said, it's a, a transitional role for guys who, you know, you, you kind of get – it's usually for guys who fresh off of playing and – you get into a coaching role and, you know, you, you kind of getting a feel. You're, you're still you're not a complete, you know, um, assistant coach, but you're kind of getting the feel. You know, you're going over film. You're talking to guys about our concepts and, you know, uh, certain things like that, as well as mentoring guys on a different level. You know, so it's just for me, it's like that perfect middle ground. You know, it's that it's that perfect middle ground. I still want to get back to playing quite honestly. So, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of be in a, I'm not a complete coach and, you know, I haven't hung up the Jersey completely and decided to be an all out coach. But at the same time, I'm in a position where, you know, like I said, I can help the, the, you know, the players mentor. I'm in every practice talking to them about, you know, what we need to do and what we need to get done, you know, when we're, we can watch film and go over things like that. You know, it's just, it, like I said, it's, it's that it's a role. that is like the perfect middle ground between player and coach.
0: Yeah, Chris Jenkins. He was at the Final Four, and he visited the team, and even practiced with them in San Antonio. Got a little workout in. Do you ever ditch the suit and just, you know, sometimes put on some basketball shorts and take the kids to work?
3: <laughs> no, man. No, I'm not. I can't. I can't play just yet. Believe me, when I can, I'm, I'm getting out there ASAP. But you know, I can't play just yet. I'm still. They still kind of cautious with my knee. But once I get back, yes, I am back in full effect. I definitely want to get out there and um uh, and do some hands-on coaching. You know,
0: that's great. Uh I know Chris has been dying to ask this, uh so I'll let him take take this one, but he wants to know about your jersey collection. Yeah. He okay, is I'll, completely fascinated with it. Yeah.
2: I'll I'll never forget, Daryl, Uh after the Providence game where you subbed in for a, a concussed uh, Ocheffield and you had probably one of the best games ever from Villanova Center. Um you absolutely dominated that Providence game. I saw you uh after that game donning a Chicago Blackhawks jersey, and I was just <laughs> like He's I guess that makes sense. He's from Chicago. Wait, no, he's from Philly. How is that possible? And then in the 2017 Big East final against Creighton, they had a segment of you on the big board and you were like listing out like your favorite jerseys. And you broke my heart when you said the New York Rangers was probably one of your favorite jerseys out there. So as a big hockey guy, I got to know, what jerseys do you have and which one truly is your favorite?
3: So right as of right now, I have, I don't break it out much, but I have a mighty ducks Jersey. I only take out for, for nice. certain occasions. That was that that was a very rare get. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a I got the Black Hawks one still, and I have a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Nice. To be you know to, to be quite honest, it was just just you know just being a a product of the '90s as we all are. Man, for me, it was uh, I used to watch those old shows, and that was that was like their thing, like the jerseys. I was, you know, you watch old Fresh Prince and Martin episodes, even Four House and shows like that. Yeah, and have like the hockey jerseys, things like that. And I was like, yo, that is so dope. Like that is crazy that they have that. Mm-hmm. So I went out and, and hunted a few. And I got to be honest with you, you know, I'm a Flyers fan, but
2: mm-hmm. those jerseys
3: are nice jerseys. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, they, are. they are.
3: So I, I had to go and get them. But uh. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I, like I said, I like the colors of the New York Rangers jersey. Right. I like how it's put together. I'm not a Rangers fan. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: good. <laughs> yeah, as, as a Devils fan, that makes me happy. But we're just a little, little, little problem with the Flyers. But we'll get past it. We can get past <laughs> that. Um, you know, you know, the, the NHL released a bunch of new jerseys this year. You know, you got to get a Hartford Whalers one. They just came oh, out right. with that. Okay.
3: I I I definitely got to look at it. I definitely need to add to the collection. I just like I just, the, the way they're constructed. I think I hockey jerseys are some of the best ones. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard for me to wear a basketball jersey. It's it's weird. Yeah. to scary. wear one I, was, I have a Tracy McGrady jersey. I have an old 45 Jordan jersey, but it's just kind of eh, you know, football jerseys don't exactly fit the best. Something about those hockey jerseys that it just it's a very it's a very nice look.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We also have some fan questions uh, from the listeners. Okay. Uh, The first one is from Chris Lane. Uh, Daryl, which current Villanova player would you most like to posterize?
3: Uh, (laughs) Damn. What I most like to posterize. Ah, I don't know. Probably Eric. Probably Eric. I think I think to to get him would be me and Eric had this thing in practice. Don't I mean I'm gonna tell y'all I'm about I was about to tell y'all don't tell nobody, but obviously if I tell y'all it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> me and Eric, uh, one of our first times in practice, um, he uh, him we won a a, a a drill where it was two. It ended up as two on one. It was a weave drill and it ended up two on one, and it was him and Daniel coming at me, and I see Daniel. You know he kind of starts like. Stop, he kind of like you know, he kind of slows up a little bit and then he just throws up what I think is a terrible shot. And as I look up, I, I see Eric above me, uh, he grabs the ball, in one hand, you know, and just a couple seconds later, the gym is silent. You can imagine what happened in those few seconds. And you know, I, just, I walked over and I just I, I looked at him, I shook his hand, I was like, That was tough, that was tough. You know, I'm gonna get you back though, right. And, you know, he just started laughing. And then, like, I want to say about a week or so later, I did get him back. And that just started this, like, snowball effect of us just every time somebody would dunk on, you know, the other one in practice, we would just kind of look at each other like, you know, all right, the ball's in your court this time. What you going to do? That entire year we were playing together. So it was amazing. And uh, I think I think to get him back one final time would be uh, – it would be great. And I, I stay tuned with that. I'm, I'm going to try to figure out a way to make that happen.
0: Maybe one day in practice. You just got to school him, man.
3: We gonna, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way.
0: Uh, this next question is from Patrick Chapchak. As a big man, how did you find a role in a guard heavy oriented system?
3: Oh, man. Who asked this?
0: Patrick Chapchak.
3: Patrick Chapchak. That's a great question. Um, I think for me, it was more so. I stopped looking at it as, as being a big man, you know, started looking at it as being a basketball player. Obviously while I'm out there, I'm doing big man things, set the screens, you know, you're grabbing the bulk of the rebounds and things like that. You're around the basket. But for me, I, I looked at it as an opportunity to just add to the arsenal in the sense of, you know, coming, becoming more well-rounded. And you know, I could imagine if I would have went to a different school, you know, they look at your height, they look at my bill and they say, all right, this is what you're going to do. And that's that, you know, here, you know, coach, right. Um, he decided to be like, listen, you're a basketball player, you know, so you're going to you're gonna, you know, handle the ball a little bit when you're getting the dribble handoffs. You're going to have some keeps. You're going to do some different things. So I think for me it was just – it was looking at it, you know, with the glass half full in a sense of, yes, this is known as Guard University, but what can you learn from them? And learning how they looked at the game and how they approached the game helped me.
2: So I got a joint question from uh, both my brothers, actually, Michael and Nicholas Stantial. Uh-huh. They want to know – what was like the feeling in the huddle after the uh, Marcus Pace shot in 2016? Were you guys kind of, I don't know, like we're a little down in the dumps or it was like, you know, the whole attitude thing being preached yeah, up no. just because, you, you know, there was still 4.7 seconds left. I was
3: about to say, no, no, no. It was, it was like, I think looking back on it, it was a alar- not, I'm not going to say alarming, but in hindsight, it was alarming how calm we were. It was just like. I think partially is because, you know, we 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 knew that, you know, it was like, listen, this game is tied, so we don't hit this shot. This is going to overtime. But um, yeah, no, when he hit it, it was just like it, it was a moment of damn, like he really just hit that shot. And then the moment that second was over, it was like, okay, all right, what are we doing? You know, and I think that's how we handled a lot of things that year. I think, you know, we we had a, a couple times that year. People look at the end of that year and they they realize obviously that's what sums that year up. But, you know, it was a few games that year where we really had to, you know, look in. everybody had to go home and look in the mirror. And then we had to come back and look at each other as a team and be like, all right, that just happened. You know, what, what are we going to do next? Prime example, Oklahoma and, and uh, in Maui, uh, um, you know, we we went out there. And obviously that game did not go as planned at all, you know, and like I said, it's one of those times where we really just had to just keep our composure and realize that, okay, this is not the end, you know, and so many times that year we had moments, you know, Seton Hall in the in the uh, Big East tournament, you know, we, we lost that at the end. But there were so many times we had these moments where it was just like, okay, that happened, moments over, how are we moving forward, you know, and that's a huge part of our philosophy as a program. That's a huge part of who a lot of us came here as people, you know, it's like, all right, that happened, you know, that's life. It happens. Attitude. How do we, you know, how do we move forward? We got back to the huddle. You know, he, he, we, we had a, a play already ready for that scenario, that situation. And just we had did it a million times before. So it's like, all right, here we go. You know, either it's going to go in or go. It's either going to go in or we're going in overtime.
0: You know? I read uh, Dana O'Neill's book, Long Shots, and she talked about that huddle and everyone just knew that you guys were running Nova. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just seemed like the most calm thing ever. And I was like, wow, yeah, this yeah. is so badass.
3: Yeah. It's like, it's like any other thing that you can, I, I could imagine y'all, you know, y'all, y'all have this show. Y'all do great with this show. I just the flow of this show is perfect. I could imagine the first time y'all did this, it was like, oh, you know, y'all just trying to figure out things. And now y'all are at a point where you're just in a rhythm, you know, that's anything else in life with, you know, it's just, that's what repetition is for. You're just trying to get a rhythm to a point where, you know, it's just, it doesn't even, you're not panicked, you know, you don't you're not wondering anything it's just like okay that's what it is we've done like I said we've done this a million times I think the only thing that was crazy about that was the fact that that was the first time that uh he that was the second time he had pitched that shot back to Chris you know what I mean that shot is kind of that that is for pretty much anybody who uh who it's, it's one of those plays where it's like listen the open man gets the ball but it was only one other time in practice that he had pitched it back exactly the same way. So, so it happened like that, it was just like, all right, that's that's just the power of repetition.
0: This next question is from Katherine Ryan. Mm-hmm. As you transitioned into an upperclassman and became one of the older guys on the team,
3: yeah. what were
0: some of the challenges you found with welcoming new classes every year?
3: so <laughs> 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 um, um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um one of the biggest challenges for me was just uh man, I'm trying to say this in the most PG way possible. One of the biggest challenges for me, as far as, you know, welcoming new guys and things like that was putting yourself back in those in their shoes. You know, realizing that everything isn't just second nature anymore. Everything is not just um it's not just, you know, it's it's you. By the time you get to a junior year, you know, you're so conditioned to just understand certain things and certain things become almost second nature for you. You don't even realize that, you know, they're just they're just there. You know, they they just you have habits ingrained in you. Uh, one of the hardest things for me, you know, as I got to upper classroom was realizing that. Just two years ago, I was one of those younger guys who, you know, didn't know everything. You know, you know. It, it seems like it just happened so naturally, but it, 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 it's 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 a process. It's a process. So you know, obviously being patient in in that sense, and you know, also um, realizing that you know those, those were different kids. I don't know what happened. I'm just a sidebar. I don't know what happened after 19. Which year? Which year were you? Which year were y'all born? 94.
0: 94.
3: 94. Perfect. All right. I was born 93. I don't know what happened after 95. For some, reason, <laughs> for some reason after 95 after 1995, that as soon as that clock struck 12 and it was 96, it was a, to me it was a completely different type of kid. Um the music they listened to, the thing they was into, the jokes they cracked, for me socially it was like one of the weirdest thing. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe we're in the same generation let alone the same decade." <laughs> So that was probably the hardest adjustment for me. You know, I come in the locker room and I hear certain artists on, and it's just like, first of all, what are they saying? Secondly, (laughs) put it on. You know, or, you know, they they would crack certain certain jokes or you know talk about certain TV shows. I'm like, who, what? Like, hold on. Like, that's so Raven isn't cool anymore? Like, what happened to the (laughs) Titans? Like, it was just – it was was keeping up with the times. But this is a young man's game, so I get it. It was just – all right adapt you know adjust and attack figure it out and uh it's it's been a learning process and to be quite honest being overseas this past year and then coming back and then it happened all over again it's trippy all over again but it's just like it's a constant learning process so that was probably the hardest part outside of on court things the social aspect of how different i don't know like i said i don't know what happened i don't know what we put in the water or the air but after 96 it was a different type of kid. You're talking about a different kid completely. But, you know, it was fun. It was fun.
0: Yeah, my sister was born in 96, and I totally relate yes, to the yes, just I, a completely I, different dimension. Dem- like, are you sure we grew I, up in the yes, same yes. earth?
3: I'm almost like, I think Phil, so Phil's like a New Year's baby. And then, like, it's certain things that like I could joke with Phil about that. Like, I would tell Mikel, and he would just look at me with a straight face, and it's like, oh, never mind. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, I don't know what, it was like, I swear, it was. it must have been something cosmic. The moment. 96 started anybody born after that was just it was a completely different type of kid but you know it's fun you know it's, that, that's how things keep moving forward
0: daryl thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show and chatting with us we really appreciate
3: it oh man thank you for having me man. thank y'all for thinking to me on this I, I saw this before and i was like that's dope that is that is dope that's 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 they doing a thing over there they doing a thing so big ups to y'all man thanks man thanks, we appreciate
0: man. it thank you thank you of course of course where where can we find? Stay tuned with D Ray on social media, and where can we find you on social oh, media? Watch my damn show. <laughs> 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 my show.
3: Um, uh, so you know, stay tuned with D Ray is on YouTube, obviously under that name. Um, it's uh, it's on Instagram under the same name. Stay tuned, W D R E Y. Um, it's also on my page at Nasir the Director on Instagram. So on Twitter as well, uh, I put the Keith Jones episode up on Facebook watch. So it's going to be there as well. Trying to figure out the IGTV thing, you know, trying to bring it to that soon. And then quite honestly, the next step of it for me is just to get more, you know, in-depth conversations and longer conversations. I'm looking to turn it into a podcast. So stay tuned for that.
0: Can we get a sneak Peek, who's on episode three?
3: What do you mean? Like coming
0: up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I still I still have
3: to get Josh. I still have to get Mikel. I still have to get Jalen, Amari. Um, I spoke with Randy Foy about being on the show. Um, there is still Darren Hilliard. There are so many. Mo, uh, Mo Sutton was actually there. we did an interview, a joint interview with James Bell and Javon Pinkston, and Mo Sutton was actually there that day. He, you know, he, he was in the studio that day. So I still have to get him. Mootal Yaru. Uh, there are so many more people that we have to get. You know, and that that's the beauty of it. Uh, like I said, it's just the, the concept of telling the, the, the story beyond the story and behind the story. And there's so many Villanovans alone that we still have to get as far. And then we have other people, you know, I'm I'm, I'm stay tuned with D-Ray is not just a Villanova thing, you know, just just putting that out there. There are, I've, I've been in talks with other people about getting other pro athletes with other, you know, just people involved with the culture, period, to get them on the show and, and tell their story. So stay tuned. It's a lot more coming.
0: Yeah, everybody, please go follow that page right now. Like it. Subscribe on YouTube. Like it on all the different social medias, IG, Facebook, Twitter. Go for it.
3: Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for plugging that to me, man. Yeah,
0: you're, you're really killing it, man. We hope that we we are excited. We love the first two episodes. We're excited for mm-hmm. the future.
3: My man, my man.
0: It's everybody, you can subscribe to the State of the Nova Nation podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Podomatic. You have options. Please follow the pod on Twitter, at S-O-N-N pod. You can also follow View Hoops on Twitter and Instagram, and that's at View Hoops. And please check back out on the website, viewhoops.com, regularly, often, every day. We got we are just churning out content right now. We are just pumping away.
3: That's the thing. You got to just keep it going,
0: man. You got it. You got us. You got us. You know.
3: Oh, man. Thank you, y'all. Thank you. I just subscribed.
0: You're the man. You're Tell the man. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay 5
2: And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at The Stance Man on Twitter.
0: He's Dale Reynolds. He's got a kick ass show. <laughs> Everyone go follow it. And hopefully the Cats can get this dub on Saturday.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Uh.